Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. As we get started today, the the 21-day fast has been such a meaningful moment that We've been doing a series this January called Answers in Genesis. And as we were praying last night with our core team, I told everybody that I really felt impressed on my heart and, and in my spirit to give a different topic that, that we originally were going to talk about. We're originally, I had, a, I had already printed all my notes. I'd already wrote everything up. And we were going to talk about um, a, a great message, in my opinion, but I really felt like today we needed to talk about something else. And... I want, you, I want you all to just, for a moment, brace yourselves. <laughs> all right? Uh, today is not going to be a normal day. T- today is not going to be a normal teaching. Um, even if y'all have ever noticed my notes, I usually have like three pages of notes. Today I only have one page. And I, I really felt uh, today intimidated at, at what I really believe that God was wanting us to talk about. And... I guess in short, today is going to be, if you were to to oversimplify the idea of what we're going to talk about today, it's going to be more of a preaching than it is a teaching. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And um, I want to ask you guys this question as we get started. When is the last time that you felt the power of God? When is the last time that you felt the power of God in your life? Don't you think that this, this God that we worship is more than just a Sunday service or a Sunday message. Isn't this God supposed to be more than just goosebumps? Isn't it supposed to be something that's really powerful? Something that grips you? Something that can change your life? Something that you can even see in, the, in your life? You can look back, you can see the power of God. You can feel the power of God. And we're going to talk about today's message is being made whole. Look at your neighbor and say, being made whole. Being made whole. Being made whole. And, and I want to read this scripture. I, again, I had a bunch of other scriptures that we're going to use in the other message. But today, for this message, we only have two. And the first one I want to share is at the very beginning. The second one I want to share is going to be after later on in the message, but it says in 2 Corinthians 1, 5, for the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Let me read that again. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. I want us to start with this topic of suffering. Suffering. And I want you to think about what suffering is in your life. Suffering means to you. I think suffering is a very interesting context because it can mean something completely different to somebody else. Your ideas of suffering will be different than your neighbor's idea of suffering. And I think even in your life, at different points, suffering looks different than you once thought. As a teenager, suffering looks a lot different than when you're an adult. <laughs> when you're 
an adult, suffering looks a lot different than when you become a parent. (laughs) But some ideas about suffering is that there's types of suffering where it's suffering that, that we have gone through by our own self. There's other suffering that others have put on us. But there's suffering of sin. There's suffering of being broken within yourself. There's, being, there's suffering of pain. And there's suffering of experience. You know, I was reading in Genesis about the story of Joseph. And it's a story in Genesis where it talks about these 12 brothers. One of them was named Joseph, the second, of the young, the second youngest. And his father favored him more than anybody else. And his brothers hated him so much that they planned to kill him. I just think, like, dang. <laughs> they really, like, he really must have been the favorite. I mean, <laughs> you know, everyone has that, fa- that brother or sister that's like, oh, they're the favorite. But you jokingly, like, believe it. It's more of like an indirect thing that everyone feels like is true. But, I mean, his brothers all believed it so strongly that they hated him for it. And it said that when he came to check up on them, because his father chose Joseph, say, why don't you go check on your brothers, make sure they're doing the right things. And when he was walking up, they all started conspiring. Let's kill this guy right here. Let's just put it into this miserable person in the world. This guy's just a scorch on the planet. We'll be doing everybody a favor. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? <laughs> in your family, or at work. And... It says that instead, what they did was they threw him into a cistern, pretty much a well, an empty hole. And they waited. And he, I could imagine how long it must have been. I mean, it just says that he was there. And then they started talking and decided to do this. But we don't really know how long he was actually in there. It could have been days. It could have been more just than 30 minutes. It could have been days that he was in there. Just wondering what's going to happen. I'd I'd imagine that that time of darkness and that time of loneliness, that time of suffering, of not knowing what was going to happen in your life. Not knowing what was going to happen after all this. And it said that they decided to just sell him to some Egyptian caravan as they were walking by, or some Ishmaelites as they were walking by. And it said that when they sold him into slavery, that later on in the story, it says when the brothers are talking about what they did, it said, don't you remember how he begged us not to sell him? Don't you remember his cries as he pleaded with us? We just read in the story, it says, and then they sold him. But could you imagine the raw emotions that you'd feel feeling so much betrayal at that moment and the injustice of not have done anything wrong. But your whole life is being changed because of the opinions of others, the decisions of others. And I always thought that that point was so meaningful. It says that he got sold into slavery, that he ended up getting established at Roman, uh, uh, an Egyptian governor's house, Potiphar, and said that he did his very best in the situation that he was given. Even though it was a suffering situation, that he went from being a, a family, a, an honored family member with his own kin to being a stranger in a land he didn't know, 
around a bunch of people that didn't care about him and said that he did his very best and became the, the best servant at Potiphar's house to where Potiphar ended up entrusting him with all these responsibilities of his home. Now, all Potiphar had to do by the end of it was worry about what he was going to eat. Now, Joseph care, took care of everything else. It said at this point in the story that, that Joseph was a very handsome man. Now, he was growing in stature. He's getting buff. And it says that Potiphar's wife started to look lustfully after him and started pleading him, come to bed with me, sleep with me. And Joseph refused, saying, how could I do that to your husband, my master, let alone how could I do that to God? In such a horrible situation, I've found a glimmer of hope here. How could I reject God by doing this thing? Instead, it got to a point where Potiphar tried to grab him and make him sleep with her. And I want us to think about Joseph for a second. I mean, anyone knows that temptation is not easy to resist. It's not like Joseph is just this amazingly uh, competent and, you know, character built person that's like, oh, no, please, I will not. I could imagine that there was a part of him that wanted that, that desired it, that that thought of what it would feel like, what it would be like. But he still overcame those temptations. And it says that when she tried to grab him by his coat, that he literally took off his coat and ran away. And Potiphar feeling so, or Potiphar's wife feeling embarrassed at this point that someone literally ran away just not to sleep with her. And only imagine the, the, the humility she felt at that moment that she screamed and she told all of the servants that came that Joseph tried to rape her when it was the exact opposite. It says that Potiphar was furious when he heard her story and that he threw, her, threw him, Joseph, in prison. And it says that he was put in prison and left there to rot. And it's another moment where we just see that point, that transition almost from one period to the next. Just a sentence to another sentence. But for the first time, I was reading this and I started imagining the same situation that Joseph experienced with his brothers. I bet that he started begging Potiphar. And please don't do this. You got to believe me. I would never do that. I would imagine the tears in his eyes because he could have been killed. He's lucky that he, he was just put in prison. He could have been tortured to death, but instead he was left in prison to rot. And I think of that same, that same feeling Joseph must have felt of betrayal. That same feeling that he felt of suffering. And have you ever had moments in your life where you feel like things just kind of repeated, only worse? You start looking at your life and you're like, man, maybe I'm just destined to go through this over and over. Maybe suffering is just part of my purpose because this is just happening a couple years and I'll, I'll just go through it again. I only imagine the bitter tears that he wept those first couple days in prison, thinking that his life was destined for suffering and betrayal and injustice. And with that suffering, what, what comes with it is a confusion, feeling lost, 
Because Joseph, before all this happens, it said that he had all these dreams that God was giving him, these visions that his life was something meaningful. I remember how I, I could only think about how lost he felt, how confused he thought when his life seemed nothing more than just just like what, how we read it, just one period to the next. Just a person that had a horrible deck of cards shuffled to them and that their just whole life is going to be nothing but suffering because of circumstances or situations because of others. It's interesting that both times Joseph's suffering was given to him because of the opinions of others, the decisions of others. And suffering makes me think of agony. But I feel like what suffering turns into the moment that, that you realize that this suffering is not necessarily something that you deserve. It's like that moment where you think in yourself, this isn't right. This isn't fair. And don't get me wrong, life is not fair. Life is often very unfair. There's a moment where you feel like you had enough. And that rage builds up in you. Anyone here ever have a rage within them? Maybe not an ongoing rage, but maybe that one moment where you feel like you can't control yourself. Feel like at any moment you might just burst. And it's how we burst that determines what we're going to be like after that suffering. Sometimes we burst and we just give up. We burst and we, we blow off God and say, forget all this. It hasn't done anything good for me this far, so why should I keep going? Just forget it. I'm not going to try anymore. I've already tried to do my best, but it's not working, so I give up. You win, universe. You win. I give up. I'm going to just do whatever feels good in the moment because I'm just destined for suffering anyway. I might as well just pacify the pain because I'm just going to feel it over and over and over again. That rage. See, that rage can be redirected somewhere else. That rage can be given to God as an offering. Think about that. Have you ever yelled in your prayers? Have you ever been just praying and then all of a sudden that rage comes up and you just start screaming at the top of your lungs? Have you ever yelled so loud that you can feel your vocal cords tearing, your throat piercing you feel that suffering all coming out at that moment and after it all comes out it's just quiet at that moment you can just surrender that suffering to God that moment where you accept that it's not fair that moment where you just Accept that you're going to just have to work through this. The, the moment that you accept that this wasn't your fault. The moment that you accept that you didn't do anything to deserve it, but it happened anyway. 
The moment that rage settles, your blood stops boiling. You have the opportunity for healing. Suffering needs healing. And I want you to think of what that word is, healing. What is that word to you? Healing looks different for every individual, just like suffering does. Some people look at healing and they think about healing of their family. Some people think about healing physically. Some people think about healing of their soul. Healing. Healing of hearts, bodies, souls. Healing. And I, I just picture people are just like Joseph. People are just like Joseph. The world against them sometimes. That's what it feels like. And we have that, that, that point to either make it where it's us against the world and we do whatever we want to survive or we allow our healing even when the world feels against us. And I want to share this verse now in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. This is a prophetic verse about the Messiah who is Jesus. It says, But He was pierced for our rebellion, He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. When we look at Jesus, there, there's so many aspects of Jesus. But not only is He our Redeemer, not only is He our Savior, but He brings justice. And I want you to know that not all of the suffering that you've experienced a lot of it is not your fault. A lot of the suffering that you've experienced is injustice. Injustice. Meaning it wasn't right for you to experience it. It wasn't right what they did to you, what they said to you. It wasn't right how it all happened. But there's healing and injustice. There's healing in Christ. And there's a part of you that suffering leaves broken. But here this verse is saying Jesus can make us whole. And, and I'm a very theological person. I'm very practical. I look at things on a very literal level, especially when it comes to God. I like to look at things natural before I look at things spiritual. But today, I want you to look at things very spiritual. I want you to see Jesus as your Redeemer, as your, as your Vindicator. I want you to look at Jesus being able to make your soul whole again. Your spirit right again. I want you to, to get all that rage that you've had in your life, and I want you to be able to give it to God. And say, God, I give this to you because it makes me angry. I'm upset about this. But I'm giving it to you because you are my vindicator. You make me whole. And see, when you allow God's healing 
to wash over you. It not only makes you whole again, it gives you direction and it gives you meaning. Have you ever had a, a situation where something happened to you and you said to yourself, well, the way I'm going to battle this is I'm never going to be like that to somebody else. They didn't give me a chance, but now when I look at others and I meet them for the first time, I'm going to give them that chance. There's, there's meaning that comes from vindication. And I think about all of the injustice that happened to Joseph. And there's a moment where he left the prison and just like that, he was elevated to not a governor official's house, but to the Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt, to his house. And that all of a sudden he's in charge of every person in Egypt. That Pharaoh himself didn't have to worry about anything. Joseph was literally leading the show. And think about all the injustice that Joseph faced. At that moment, he, as he was elevated to leadership, he could have had Potiphar's wife executed for wrongful imprisonment. When his brothers came, not recognize him, they didn't recognize him, and it said that they came to Egypt begging for food. And at that point, G Joseph's vision was fulfilled, and he saw his brothers bowing down, asking for food. And at that moment, he could have just had them killed. He could have finally had that justice he wanted. He could have vindicated all of his life right then and felt good about it. No one would have looked at Joseph and said, oh, that was wrong. They would have all said, do it, Joseph. You deserve this. Now imagine all that rage that he had at that moment. He just thought, I could kill you right now. And it said that he left their presence and went to a room by himself. Now he wept bitterly. It said that he wept so loud that all of the servants, all of the people in the palace could hear Joseph weeping. Because all of that rage came back up. It shows that there was part of him that wanted to. He wanted to get his justice. And he yelled so loud, his voice changed. He yelled so loud, his throat ripped said that when he came back out, the story finishes that he gave his brothers not only what they needed, but he told them all that they could live in the land of Egypt free from famine. That he gave them everything they needed to live and survive and have peace. And we see how Joseph had healing in his heart. That, that, that moment that he went by himself screaming in rage, and he was giving it to God. He's offering up the injustice to God, the rage to God. He said, God, I'm in a place now where I give justice. I've been in a place where other people made their, their decisions to give me injustice. But because I don't want to be like the people that, that gave me this rage, I ask for your healing instead. Ask for your healing to rush over me because 
I still have this rage when I see them. I still have this pain when I think about them. When I think about what happened. See, that healing gives meaning. It gives you direction. And the last thing that we're left with, if you allow yourself to understand that, that suffering, that, that rage that you had at the beginning is an offering to God. You allow yourself to be healed. And what you do after that, that moment of healing will, will enter you into a place of an anointing. An anointing is, is a very spiritual churched out word that we hear. I want to make it simple. Anointing is often represented as olive oil. Olive oil separates. When you put olive oil in water, it separates from everything else. And when we look at these three things, suffering, healing, and anointing, it makes me think of, of blood, water, and fire. Suffering being the blood, healing being the water, and anointing being the fire. In Leviticus, everything in Israel was cleansed by either blood, water, or fire. Everything. Even if it was mold, there was, if it was a pot, it would go through the fire. If it was a, a garment, it would go through water. If it was a purification of sin, they would sprinkle it with blood. Everything was blood, water, or fire. When you look at this simple principle in Leviticus, if you just look there, you'll think it ends there. But the Bible says that everything done here on earth is a shadow of how it's done in eternity in the spirit world. And if you look at God's purification process of us, you look at the cleansing of the earth, it says on judgment day, the earth will be consumed with fire. We already know that the earth was consumed with water in the great flood. The earth has been drenched in the blood of Jesus. And judgment day is the final cleansing of fire. When we look at you as an individual spirit. We're washed in the blood of Christ. We're baptized in water. And we're covered and filled with the Holy Spirit, which God symbolizes as fire. We see blood, water, fire every time. Now for your soul, for your spirit, I believe it's the same. That suffering being the blood. You ever felt like you were baptized in suffering? Like everything was leading to suffering at some point. And that healing water rushing over you. That moment you offer that suffering to God, it literally feels like rain of God's presence just pouring over you. And now going into anointing, being a fire. With olive oil, in order to get the oil out of the olive, you have to press the olives. You have to squeeze it to the point to where the olive dies, but it gives birth to the oil. See, that's what anointing really is in your life. The moment where you differentiate from who you once were to who you are now is that moment where you allowed 
yourself to die. But something comes out of it. That humility gives birth to something greater. It's a pressing, it's an endurance, and it separates you. That anointing separates you from what you once were. As a Christian, in our walk with God, I, I believe the moment that someone experiences power is the moment that there's some type of anointing over you to where it separates you from who you used to be and who you are now. There's a separation. And you know it, you see it, other people see it. And even in, in your walk with God, everywhere you go, there's, a, there's some thin separation. You carry a presence of God with you when you allow yourself to go through that healing to enter in the anointing. And you carry the presence of God everywhere you go. And an anointing produces righteousness, the Spirit. And I believe that anointing produces a rage. That rage you once had from suffering turns into a different kind of rage with an anointing. You become, you become stubborn for the things of God. There's a rage that builds within you when you see injustice. It's no longer about the injustice you've experienced, but when you see others facing injustice, a rage comes up within you. You can't stand to see the sight of someone else suffering. Your heart breaks. When you see them, there's a rage to it. And I want us all to stand at this moment. I want us all to stand. And I want you to, to close your eyes and bow your head. And I want us to ha enter in a time that, of, of being spiritual. I want us to enter a time of worship, a time of meaning. I want, to, I want us to even enter into a time of rage, a stubbornness to rise up in you. And as we worship, as we get started, the very, the very first thing we have to do before we move on is if you're here and you need to offer up your heart, your suffering to God for that healing. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ for the very first time. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. I want you to repeat this prayer after me as a reaffirmation of your faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. And I give you my suffering. I ask for my healing. Because it is by your stripes that I am healed. It's because you were beaten that I was made whole. You were crushed for my sins. And I believe in you. Be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. In Jesus' name. 
I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.